Well, I think she was probably most well-known for her role in Cheers as the uh, object of affection for Ted Danson's character. I knew her as the... uh, I don't know, the object of affection of Steve Gutenberg's character in the kids movie, It Takes Two from 1997. No, 95. Yes, Kirstie Alley was in It Takes Two with Steve Gutenberg and the Olsen twins in kind of a uh, Freaky Friday Reboot or no, not Freaky Friday. The other one. It's escaping me. Where these, I mean, the premise is nonsense. Two identical strangers, you know, the Olsen twins, meet at this camp where one one Olsen twin is an orphan that comes to the camp through an act of charity by Steve Gutenberg's character, who is the owner of the summer camp and whose daughter is the other Olsen twin. And this is how their paths cross. Then they switch places because they decide that they need to get their guardians. And one in, you know, one guardian being Kirstie Alley, this orphanage mom, and of course, the other Steve Gutenberg, this millionaire, billionaire. I don't know. It was 1995. So, you know, money was worth a lot more back then. But rest in peace, Kirstie Alley. She died of cancer at age 71. And I feel like I just heard her do an interview and cancer never came up in the discussion. Of course, why would you want to talk about your cancer? It's an interesting element of human character, I guess. People don't want to talk. I mean, I don't don't know. Some people love to talk about what's wrong with them, but that's more of an attention-seeking thing. I, I think more people don't want sympathy. And that would definitely, I, I think, People that know her better than I would agree. She doesn't strike me as a person that was interested in sympathy. But I grew up in a house that had Kirstie Alley on the TV. My parents liked watching Cheers. That that movie It Takes Two was on all the time. And then the world lost a good one. She was sensible because she was a conservative. (laughs) No, she just had common sense. Actually, I I feel sympathy for Democrats, for old school Democrats, for people that considered themselves Democrats back, you know, in Obama's first term. The Democrats have since let themselves become radicalized. And have kind of ostracized a lot of their base. I mean, there is this element of 
center left citizens in this country that now feel like they don't have a party. And I would say there's also an element of center right conservatives that feel the same way. And that's because, frankly, the political parties don't represent us anymore. And Kirstie Alley recognized that and spoke out about it. And so she has my respect. Because especially being in Hollywood makes it much more difficult to have an opinion that is your own. That's why you see these dopes like Mark Ruffalo and John Favreau saying nonsensical things like bringing up the fact that Hunter Biden was a drug addict to somehow counter this information that Elon Musk released about Twitter. It didn't really have anything to do with Hunter Biden. It was about the Hunter Biden story. It was about the suppression of the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's laptop being censored by not just Twitter, but many big tech companies, all big tech companies, you might say. And John Favreau tries to twist it into profiting off of the suffering of some poor, neglected crack addict. Yes, he's quite poor. Actually, I think being the son of a vice president and uh, now president is probably pretty lucrative. And I think the Biden family has been doing well for a long, long time. You don't make a lot as a senator. 174K a year is a senator's salary. And Biden, he hasn't been a senator the entire time, but he's been in politics for about 50 years. Yet somehow is a millionaire. Go ahead, explain it away. I have this article from the New York Post back January 18th, 2020, how five members of Joe Biden's family got rich through his connections. Political figures have long used their families to root power and benefits for their own self-enrichment. In Biden's case, these deals include foreign partners and, in some cases, even U.S. taxpayer dollars. The Biden family's apparent self-enrichment involves five family members, Joe's son Hunter, son-in-law Howard, brothers James and Frank, and sister Valerie. When this subject came up in 2019, Biden declared, I never talked with my son or my brother or anyone else, even distant family, about their business interests, period. As we will see, this is far from the case. Joe Biden's younger brother James has been an integral part of the family political machine from the earliest days when he served as finance chair of Joe's 1972 Senate campaign. And the two have remained quite close. After Joe joined the U.S. Senate, he would bring his brother James along on congressional delegation trips to places like Ireland, Rome, and Africa. When Joe Biden became vice president, James was a welcomed guest at the White House, securing invitations to such important functions as a state dinner in 2011 and the visit of Pope Francis in 2015. 
Sometimes James Whitehouse visits dovetailed with his overseas business dealings and his commercial opportunities flourished during his brother's tenure as vice president. Consider the case of Hillstone International, a subsidiary of the huge construction management firm Hill International. The president of Hillstone International was Kevin Justice, who grew up in Delaware and was a longtime Biden family friend. On November 4th, 2010, according to White House visitors' logs, Justice visited the White House and met with Biden advisor Michelle Smith in the office of the vice president. Less than three weeks later, Hillstone announced that James Biden would be joining the firm as an executive vice president. James appeared to have little or no background in housing construction, but that did not seem to matter to Hillstone. His bio on the company's website noted his 40 years of experience dealing with principals in business, political, and financial circles across the nation and internationally. James Biden was joining Hillstone just as the firm was starting negotiations to win a massive contract in war-torn Iraq. Six months later, the firm announced a contract to build 100,000 homes. It was part of a 35 billion, 500,000 unit project deal won by Track Development, a South Korean company. Hillstone also received a $22 million U.S. federal government contract to manage a construction project for the State Department. David Richter, son of the parent company's founder, was not shy in explaining Hillstone's success in securing government contracts. It really helps, he told investors at a private meeting, to have, quote, the brother of the vice president as a partner, according to someone who was there. Now, what about the son of the vice president? What about the son of the president? That could prove to be... uh quite lucrative as well. Yeah. And that's what Hunter Biden was doing in Ukraine with the energy company Burisma, where he made 50 grand a month, 80 grand a month. More from the article. A group of minority partners, including James Biden, stood to split about $735 million. There's plenty of money for everyone if this project goes through. And what about the big guy? Does the big guy get 10%? Are you tired of hearing about that? Boy, I sure am. I don't need to be reminded... There's a mob boss occupying the White House. And he's been using his thugs, his henchmen, to control the information in the world. That's what the dump of of all of these Twitter files is about. It's not about Hunter Biden. It's not about the government's Restricting freedom of speech. It's about the thugs in the FBI threatening private companies who may not want to go along with their censorship efforts. They might not want to participate in the narrative. 
So the FBI goes to Mark Zuckerberg, as we heard on the Joe Rogan podcast. And they say, hey, we got, uh, we've got some clues. We got some, some information here that there's Russian disinformation coming. You better be ready to censor it. And in Mark Zuckerberg's own words, he says, I view the FBI as a legitimate organization. They're top quality law enforcement. I'm going to do what they say. I'm going to, I'm going to believe what they say and keep my eye out for Russian disinformation. And what, I mean, and what, a, what a coincidence. This happens just before this Hunter Biden laptop story comes out. Well, the fact is, the FBI knew that this laptop story was coming out because they had been spying on Rudy Giuliani. And then when the FBI raided Rudy Giuliani's apartment in New York... He tried to give them the laptop, telling them what was on it, and they said, no, 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 we don't want that. We're not interested in that. And what they should have said is, no, we, we know exactly what that is. We know exactly what's there, and we're going to pretend like it doesn't exist. But it's interesting, through this development at Twitter, the internal documents showing irrefutable evidence that the government was involved in censoring your voice on social media. Now suddenly we can become accustomed to Big Tech flaunting its power in our face with this article from the Epic Times. Meta threatens to pull all news from platform if Congress passes media Big Tech bargaining bill. Now that sounds good, right? Is this this bargaining bill is just another step towards the centralization of information. And just like how the government regulates small and medium-sized businesses out of existence, this will do the same thing to media organizations. Well, profitable media organizations. Not boneheads like me that just do a podcast in spite of the censorship. (laughs) But now Facebook is going to step up and, and... defy this really disturbing effort to filter out even more of your information. And they're trying to play the good guy because they're standing up against a bad thing. However, in the background, we need to understand 
that big tech is now attempting to influence legislation in our country. Now, don't get me wrong. This shouldn't even exist. This government is out of control. We are already being taxed into oblivion with no representation to speak of. I mean, let's face it. The the political establishment exists now to funnel our tax money to these mega corporations. And they do it with their Build Back Better bills and their Inflation Reduction Acts. I mean, look at all of the tax money that they've been funneling to Big Pharma. Oh, but the vaccine's free. The vaccine. No, the vaccine is not free. The government bought the vaccine from Pfizer with our tax money. And now our giving, I mean, that's, that's tax money that doesn't go to our roads. It doesn't go to our schools. It doesn't go to our military. It doesn't go to law enforcement. It goes to Pfizer for millions of vaccine doses that do fuck all. And they funnel our tax money to foreign governments through aid to Ukraine or to uh, these green energy plans that give billions of tax dollars to China to make solar panels and batteries for more green energy that works about as well as the vaccines. And if it wasn't for the freedom of information, as pathetic as it is now, we wouldn't know about any of it. And that's the effort. So let's go. I mean, we can thank Meta today. But they're not a benevolent company. (laughs) They're doing this because it benefits them, not because it benefits us. And that's the scheme. Hey, we're going to we're going to use the media control that we have already through these media outlets that we already own. To paint ourselves as the good guy. We're going to cover up our malfeasance. We, we don't want to talk about the $417 million that we put into scamming the 2020 election. With our drop boxes and our ballot harvesting. And today we're going to come out and take a stand against government overreach. Hooray! Yay, Meta! Mark Zuckerberg's our hero! No, today, actually, Elon Musk is the hero. And many critics are trying to discredit. And you must not pay attention. Because this is about the willingness of a small percentage of people, top-level executives at Twitter, that were complicit in censoring journalism to boost a political candidate. And it's not just happening at Twitter. It's happening at Facebook, at Meta, at Instagram, at YouTube, at Google, at CNBC, at MSNBC, at CNN, at Fox News. They're all owned by corporations that want to make money. And they've learned that if they control the information that goes to you, they can control your behavior. They can predict your behavior. 
If they print stories that say, oh, the government is going to ban assault weapons, it's going to boost sales of assault weapons across the country and ammunition too. If they print a story about some Ford truck being really dangerous to drive, it's going to crash the stock of that company. I mean, for crying out loud, Elon Musk can get on Twitter and tweet about a company and its stock will explode or collapse depending on the context. And the government and corporations want to further centralize and control that information. Elon Musk has exposed that and now his life is in danger. But he defies that danger and is now putting together a medical team to dispel some of the misinformation around the uh, coronavirus and the vaccine. So stay tuned for that. Thanks all for listening. Please rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. I appreciate it. I'll be back. Goodbye.